You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards, and Taylor Polendo. Today, we will explore the world of apologies. This is a subject that most of us learned growing up. Some of us were taught to apologize by our parents, and some of us simply just felt compelled to do it. In today's podcast, we will cover what apologies look like, what doesn't work when we apologize, and how to structure our apologies to have the maximum effect. Isn't it crazy how many bad apologies are used in our world? I hear bad apologies everywhere. When I flip on the news, I'm astonished at the poor apologizing that people and companies get away with. An infamous bad apology was once issued by Southwest Airlines, where they stated, quote, we are disheartened by the way the situation unfolded and the customer's removal by local law enforcement officers, unquote. But wait a minute. It was Southwest who actually called the police to come and get that passenger. Now, often we see that public apologies aren't even actually apologies in some cases. Big businesses such as Budweiser, Pepsi, Dove, Heineken, to name a few, have all issued non-apologies stating they have somehow quote-unquote missed the mark. But wait, is saying you missed the mark an apology? In doing research for this podcast, I discovered the word apology has changed drastically over the past centuries. In ancient Greece, the word apology had two parts, apo, meaning away from, and loja, meaning speech which translated essentially to a speech of defense. In our earliest historical definitions of apologies, scholarly definitions included justification or a defense of something. It was only in recent times that apologies shifted from a defense to an admission of guilt and or an attempt to restore peace. When we study language and apologies, we see differences between cultures. Did you know that in China, for example, there are three different ways to say sorry in Mandarin? One phrase is used to express pity or regret. A different phrase is used to apologize when something isn't your fault or is just embarrassing. And a third phrase is used when you want to accept responsibility or blame. In Brazil, one apologizes with a small gift, and this is often given with a note. The gift is expected to reflect the receiver's preferences and is supposed to be given privately. In India, for example, you might bring an elder with you when you apologize. Many scholars note that a key distinction is how the culture views the apologizing event. In the U.S., for instance, we seem to focus on assigning blame or liability. But in other cultures, the apologizing event is about repair. Maddox and colleagues suggest that in the United States, apologies have two parts. One, admission. And two, expression of regret. They suggest that an apology in Japan, for example, is a way to alleviate interpersonal stress. And they note that this is likely reflective of the contrasting individualistic and collectivist cultures from which they originate. They say, in sum, we propose that the function of an apology in the United States is fundamentally analytical. An apology in the U.S. means that the party apologizing takes control of the situation himself, offers an account of his actions, accepts blame, and attempts to reestablish personal credibility and self-respect. In contrast, these researchers say, in Japan, the function of an apology is social and holistic. Its function is to maintain social order and acknowledge that something socially inappropriate has occurred. Thus, to apologize in Japan is to act in a socially normative way. To apologize in the U.S. is to establish who is at fault. 
Additionally, Maddox and colleagues found that, compared to Americans, Japanese apologized more often and were more likely to apologize for actions in which they were not involved. On the other hand, they found that Americans were more likely than Japanese to equate apologizing with personal blame. In a different study, Guan, Park, and Lee compared individuals from the United States, Korea, and China. They found that regardless of culture, participants showed a stronger obligation and intention to apologize to a stranger than to a friend. We've all seen apologies that are misplaced, weak, or poorly structured. So often these apologies are sidestepping responsibility. But how do these sound in interaction? Well, we've all heard them. There are weak apologies. I'm sorry, it wasn't my fault. I'm sorry, but there was nothing I could do about it. I'm sorry if you're having an issue. There are twisted apologies. They sound like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Or I'm sorry you think I did something wrong. Or I'm sorry you feel I'm a bad person. And there are non-apologies. I already said I was sorry. You already know I am sorry. I guess I owe you an apology. Or I don't want there to be any misunderstandings. A number of scholars who have explored the acceptance and non-acceptance of apologies have figured that it comes down to one important factor. It appears to come down to the initial violation. When a violation is perceived as intentional, an apology is harder to accept. And when a violation is unintentional or perceived as unintentional, it is easier to accept. We know from experience, when an apology is not accepted, it freezes the social situation, keeping the dynamic strained, cool, and or awkward. In all of this research, you might be wondering about how to structure an apology. Lewicki, Polin, and Lount conducted research on the anatomy of apologies. They asked, are there some apologies that are better than others? And if so, what do they include or not include? Their team reviewed six different components that previous studies had identified as essential. And here's what they found. Overall, the greater number of designated components in an apology, the more effective it was perceived to be. In other words, when we only have single-dimensional apologies, they're not as effective as multi-dimensional apologies. Their second conclusion was that three component parts appear to be the most important to effective apologies. In no particular order, they suggest that we need, one, an explanation to help the receiver make sense of the violation, two, an offer of repair, which can serve to restore the damage, and three, an acknowledgement of responsibility. This is where the transgressor takes responsibility. So let's discuss sorry, not sorry. Taylor and Meredith, I want to start us off with this important question. Does love mean never having to say I'm sorry? Okay, Taylor, you're married. Does love mean never having to say you're sorry? I mean, I think you could try that. I don't know how successful your relationship will be. I think there's a lot of people that love each other and don't want to ever be in a relationship. By success, I don't mean marriage or divorce. I just mean how healthy and life-giving is that relationship. I thought it should be turned around to say means you always have to say you're sorry. Mm. Yeah. Who even started that? (laughs) If you love somebody, you don't have to say you're sorry. I heard that as a kid, but where did that come from? Well, there's lots of advice out there that is completely useless in the field of interpersonal. We've hit on one for sure. But what I would say is it is for sure not true. And I'm on year 32. 
Do you feel like you say sorry less often though? Like you've gotten to a rhythm so you have less times maybe that you need to apologize or do you think it's more so? I think it's the same. same. I think you have to do sorry maintenance, <laughs> which is for me, you have to say sorry regularly to keep the relationship intact. And if you don't do that, you're risking doing no maintenance and then you can fall into other disrepair. Sitting on that couch, getting comfy. <laughs> <laughs> when I was getting ready for this, it was like the the bad sorries, the quote unquote bad sorries are the sorry you, like back to the person that's deserving of the apology. It goes back to their responsibility. Sorry, you know, you know this, or don't you already know I'm sorry. You know me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the point of focus is on the other party, which is indicative of what the cultural information I shared at the beginning, this idea that we're looking for blame and liability. I thought, boy, those are two non-relationship words. I thought it was funny. You always say that when you prepare for this, it pops up in your life. And before I knew what we were gonna be speaking about this week, I started a book called Why Won't You Apologize? <laughs> It's excellent. I highly recommend it. But what I learned is I think I've never given nor received a proper apology. Really? Is the book about how to do it? It's a lot of examples, anecdotes through people's real life experience. And she offers examples of like what it would have looked like if they did it differently. Or she has sometimes where they said, now she could have said this, but here's what they did say. And this is why it was really helpful. But one of the main ones, like I think you've touched on is you can't say, I'm sorry, you're that way. And I literally had this happen to me this weekend. I'm sorry, you're offended. Ooh. Which isn't anything. It's the very, it's the exact opposite of the tool. What about I'm sorry, if I hurt you? You know what I think that is? I think that's just cheap, which I know isn't is a really non academic term. But it's on the off chance that I might have possibly offended you, which is very unlikely, then I offer a conditional apology on possibly that event, which probably didn't happen. Just trying so hard not to accept responsibility. Through this conversation this weekend, I received an outsider's opinion and they said, just apologize. And I said, for what? I don't think I was in the wrong. Hmm. And, and they said, well, you can always apologize for something. Yeah, but then being that person who is always trying to find the truth. If I say something I don't believe in, I feel like I've lied. And then I take that on as I'm a bad person. Like it's gone back to my core values as a truth teller. And that's a problem for me. Okay, so let's back the train up a little bit. <laughs> Somebody suggested just apologize. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, if we think about apologizing as a tool for relationship repair or moving a relationship forward, then you could engage in that. But what I'm hearing you say is that's great if it's true. But if I have to lie to do it, it creates a new problem because it's untrue to you who you are, right? Yeah. And I, well, one, I have a hard time apologizing anyways. And I kind of wonder if that's just like we talked about in defensiveness and just it's hard to take responsibility for your own things. 
and I take it very personally, like I'm a bad person if I did something bad versus I just made a mistake. Making it, it seems like, like I'm lying or something. I just, it didn't seem truthful or honest because I could say the words and I knew exactly what to say after reading this book that I could just take responsibility. I'm sorry you're hurt. I'm sorry I did this thing that, well, without it, like explaining it, but I'm sorry I did what upset you. But I felt in the right. So then it was really hard, but I guess ultimately it would have repaired the relationship to just take responsibility I didn't feel accountable for. Yeah, that's a tricky one. You have to kind of balance true to self, true to others. Yeah. Yes. That's where I'm getting stuck on this one a bit because I want to apologize. And I don't mean to say if someone got hurt, but when whatever I did uh, offended or hurt XYZ. Mm -hmm. But to apologize for something that you know, either one, you didn't do, is it better to just say sorry if it's not even true? I don't think so. Hurt feelings, I could always apologize for because I can't explain someone's feelings and like, well, I didn't hurt you or I didn't do that. I didn't make shame you. Yeah. So if they say however they felt, that's fine. I can apologize for that because I wouldn't want to hurt someone. Yes, I hear that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I was really, I counseled my partner. I, I'm sitting there like re-going over everything. I'm like, I just really don't know what to take responsibility for here. And I'm like really looking at the whole conversation very confused by it. I think there's two mathematical equations going on there. There's the mathematical equation that's the micro equation, which is in that interaction itself. In that condition of hurt, you have your response that does something or doesn't do something, right? The apology. But you also have the larger math that in some ways is more concerning to me, which is if this person does this repeatedly to you, in other words, traps you into being in a position where you are told to take blame that maybe you don't even rightfully own. I feel that's what happened. I was the initially offended person. So mm -hmm. I spoke up saying, I'm offended. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, you're offended. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, if you initially go down to the micro, you know, the very moment where you said you're offended and then they said, I'm sorry, you're having that feeling, we can say they failed the option to ap apologize right there. Yeah. They had the option to apologize. They failed in that micro moment. Hmm. Now the rest sounds like a different podcast where we go into to manipulation, decoys, diversions, gaslighting maybe, and people do that. But I think the first thing we would observe about that interaction is that missed opportunity right off. Hmm. So I, I got a, like, a little question. What, what is missing in a quote unquote, bad apology. Yeah. When I'm starting to apologize, is there something I can, a voice I can hear in myself that's like, ooh, Meredith, check yourself. Like you're, you're going to blaming this person for something because you're not trying to take responsibility or you think you're apologizing, but you're not <laughs> doing a good job at it. I'm trying to find out what's in a bad apology versus what's in a good one. First and foremost, it's what you initially pointed out, which is, it's the assignment of who at the end of the day has responsibility, the actual effect of the message itself. So what I heard you saying when you say, I want someone just to say they're sorry and like mean it and own it is saying, here's what matters to me. What matters to me is that somebody t owns their mistakes once in a while and just actually steps up and acknowledges that. God, yes. 
The opposite is when people don't do that. This is where I fall down. But my tendency is I want to explain it to you and then ultimately kind of explain you out of it. Yes. Mm. And that's not actually good because now it's not really my thing to own at the end. Basically, if I can bring up enough about the context so that you understand why it was never really my problem in the first place, then I can just get out of it. And that's slithery. At the end, we're going to talk about what we need to work on, but mine's glaring in the face already. I don't even need to wait to the end to say what's my takeaway. My takeaway is don't take that first part of the apology, the ex explanation of what happened, and manipulate it into minimizing or getting away from all responsibility. It's amazing how you feel that come over time, right? I don't know if you have anybody else like that in your life or you just, or you know it about yourself, right? Or like over time, you're like, man, I've been deflecting this for so long. I can think of people in my head. Yeah. Right. What I heard you saying is it's the end result is what you care about the most. Now, the research we talked about at the beginning was when people just say, sorry, 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 that tends to, according to research and just interpersonal experience, we tend to not like that. Oh, you're just going to say sorry and think it's just going to go away just because you yelled the word sorry. The one study that I quoted had the three parts, which is explanation of what happened. So you're showing the other party you know what happened, the offer of repair, and then the acknowledgement of responsibility. And those aren't in any order, by the way, but they need to be on the list, according to those researchers. R remind me those again. It was offer repair take responsibility. And what was the third one? And the explanation. So the explanation needs to show that you understand the, the infraction of the transgression, not I'm going to explain away my responsibility. And isn't that convenient for me, the bad apologizer? So your explanation is, has nothing to do with an excuse. It can't be anything about you, but really more so saying, I heard you. Mm -hmm. I heard that this is what upset you. I heard that this is what hurt you. I heard yep. that this is how I failed you. So we're recapping so that they feel understood and heard. Mm -hmm. And we find that in studies that show where that isn't done, people say, yeah, you apologize, but you didn't really get it. Yeah. This needs to be in that apology so that the other party knows you got it. You get that transgression. You get why it's not fine. Mm. I was thinking when you were talking about how everyone just says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've heard that if you say sorry too much, if you're an over-apologizer, then it kind of diminishes the meaning when you actually need to apologize for something. Well, I'm glad you're bringing that up. I know a lot of people that they'll just say sorry over literally nothing, that they didn't even do anything. Sometimes, oh, what do they say? Like, uh, if you bump into them and they say sorry. Exactly. That's literally what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> what about too much? Sorry. Do that. If I bump into somebody, if I take up some, too much somebody's time, if I do this, it's like, oh, sorry, sorry. The answer I would give based on the cross-cultural research is that's very true in like the Japanese study that was done that I quoted, where they talk about it using it as a social convention to manage like almost turn-taking and or interrupting or or bumping into someone or whatever. And having gone to Japan a couple of times, I would definitely say it's really very typically said. Mm -hmm. And it's not typically said in the United States culture, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't be used in that way. And they sort of see it as like, keep the social peace. It's a way to, it's a smoother. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote a little like uh, diagram for myself for this one, which is sorry equals fault equals take responsibility. Nice. I love how, I mean, all of these podcasts are going to blend in, in all of these things, right? But it reminded me of 
what we talked about last week and taking responsibility being a takeaway. Owning basically ourselves and our own voice seems to be a theme. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it does. <laughs> that was like really highlighted in the book was that a good apology is not about you. Mm. And even so much saying that like you shouldn't ask for forgiveness, which I'm ex really excited about our forgiveness um, episode. They were saying that that's something you shouldn't do. Maybe not necessarily ever, but then it puts something on the person you're apologizing to. Hmm. And it shouldn't be anything about you and you shouldn't be asking anything of them. I thought that was kind of interesting. I really like that. I was just, you said a good apology is not about you. Yeah. And it actually makes me think of the examples you said in the beginning of the podcast, which was all of the sorry you felt like that. You know, I am sorry. And it's almost like the word you shouldn't ever be in your apology. So I'm getting from this. Mm -hmm. Like when I say I am sorry, I say I am sorry for my actions, my words, whatever it was. I don't mention that person's name almost. It's just about something I did. It's like the math I was talking about where I think you have to figure out what your ultimate relationship goals are and also who you are in relationship to those goals. Because it's sort of crazy that we would be in these close relationships and not want to say sorry. You'd think we'd want to say it more, not less. But we kind of grow up in this culture where it's like, hey, but that would be that would mean I'm like an offender mm. or I have liability and I don't want to do that because I have to maintain mm. my face. Do you think that is a big part of the cultural difference? Like we're so individualistic and it's all about like, what does it mean if I take blame and responsibility? And they're trying to mend, maybe in an Eastern culture, mm -hmm. mend the relationships to keep the peace. But to us, that sounds disingenuine. I think you're onto something there. Because I come from an individualistic culture, I have to protect me above all else. Right. Which doesn't sound good coming out of my mouth. And for me, that is maybe my takeaway that that would feel very disingenuine to take responsibility for something that's not mine. But ultimately, if I care more about the relationship, maybe it's just worth it. Yeah. And or figuring out what is your responsibility. I don't know that it's like all you, all me. Right. So maybe the, the medium answer in there is to say, I won't avoid, I will examine what's mine, and I will certainly apologize for that. Like that. I won't, I won't avoid, I'll examine what's mine, and I'll apologize for that. That's going to be like my framework. I'm going to stitch that on a pillow somewhere. Did you ever think about your family culture of how to apologize? These are the things you apologize for. These are the things you don't need to apologize for. I definitely did. When we had to apologize, we had to say, I apologize, I was wrong, and here's why. And then we we did ask for forgiveness. But I wonder if that's a big part of why I hate admitting that I was wrong. But it made me think that the the forgiveness thing really didn't work for us because I had a brother and we did sibling things to each other and he'd apologize to me every single night. And eventually I said, I'm not gonna forgive you because you're just gonna do it again tomorrow. <laughs> and then he threw religion in my face that I needed to forgive him. <laughs> but well, when we get to forgiveness, we're going to talk about conditional forgiveness and how it doesn't work. The thing that is tough about it is that, you know, your brother's going to be teasing you again tomorrow. And because you know that it doesn't have the 
validity, I guess, that it would normally have because you just know that that's the pattern. And I would say then that kind of goes to the quality of the of that apology where we say, well, you don't acknowledge responsibility and you're not offering to repair because offering to repair might be stopping this and not teasing me tomorrow. Yeah, it's false. It makes me think about clients of mine that say that they have, or you look at their history and there's domestic balance situations, right? Or just some sort of um, emotional, physical abuse, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Or what if they're just really good at apologizing? I'm so sorry. You know, I love you. I didn't mean that. And they feed to the heartstrings of the receiver that wants to believe they didn't mean it. Part of what the book had said, making a good apology was you offer restitution, but promise to never do it again. I'm sorry I was late, Meredith. I'll never be late again. I'll make sure that I plan ahead and I don't disrespect your time. And Are you trying to use lateness because you know I'm late and you're not? <laughs> <laughs> no, just because that was my example last time. Do I need to apologize to you for something? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I think of domestic violence and I feel like that's something often said is that they promise to not do it again. And then I don't know what you do when it happens again, I guess. Well, I say split, but you got to acknowledge that what their behavior didn't change. So the message received is the one that counts then, right? If you tell me sorry so many times and I tell you, I don't believe you anymore, that if somebody tells me sorry, sorry, sorry a million times, but then they repeat that abusive behavior over and over, then the message that I'm receiving is that you're not really sorry, mm -hmm. you know? And I call Taylor for my BS monitor on your apology. <laughs> Bullshit, mama. Taylor comes in and says, absolutely not. <laughs> but really, that, that was really hard for me to understand as a kid. If you're sorry, then why do you keep doing it? You're not sorry. I mean, we make mistakes, right? I mean, I've apologized for things for interrupting Tommy before. And then I'm like, ah, I'm sorry, I don't like to do that. I'll, I'll do it again. And then I'll go, God, why am I doing this? But when you notice the wrong, there's time between it. If I interrupt Tommy and I say, I'm sorry. And I do it the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Jesus, right? It's just, that's not annoying. It's just not sincere anymore. But we had this conversation actually on that subject. Because I feel like I'm like, I'm engaging by interrupting. I'm learning how to get better at this. But I've noticed more time has gone by where I've had to apologize for that because I'm learning. So I don't want to say that just because somebody apologized to, to me for doing something a couple of times, that means it's not sincere. I mean, I think, unfortunately, I'm human and there are degrees. I mean, you strike me, you get one shot. Right. I mean, it depends what it is for sure. Yeah. And I think improvement that helps us understand the person is trying to improve and get out of the meaningless sorry. What about sorries, sorries, apologies that you know you really want from somebody, but you just know you're never going to get? Hmm. Like what? Don't ask me to be specific. <laughs> this is a moment of vagueness and hidden secrecy. <laughs> just tell us about your friend and their experience. Oh, that's right. So my friend, um, no. How about in a, in a relationship when someone cheats on you? Where you know, you're like, something's off. You know, I felt had that feeling before. I know, I know this is happening. I can't prove it. So you leave the relationship and it's just a knowing that you have. But there is never an apology for someone cheating on you. I don't know if you guys have ever been in relationships like that, but I feel like I can at least talk about one that you all know about. <laughs> I just knew. I just knew 
and I knew by actions and behaviors and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, I mean, whoever's listening, you, you, when you know, you, I, I don't know, so you got to trust your gut sometimes. Yeah. You know, I talk to people you trust, obviously, about what you're observing. So you're not just losing it. But I left just knowing that without really knowing it. And I won't ever get an apology for it. And I don't want to live my life waiting for an apology. Like, I want to move forward. And that's something I have done without the apology. Mm -hmm. So what do you do with apology you know that you need inside you? How do you keep going? Well, you deserve one. But that doesn't mean that's going to happen. That's one comment. The other comment would be, now that you've left that relationship and that you separated, is there enough that could be said that would actually serve as an apology? Yeah. I don't need explanation in that. I, almost, I would be fine if somebody picked up the phone and was like, you know what? I did the thing you thought I did. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything to be repaired in that thing. I just want to know you're sorry for your action. Yeah. It sounds like for you, the priority is for the other party to confirm the transgression and also take responsibility. What if they're not sorry? Well, if they're not sorry, then it's not an apology, right? Yeah. And maybe that's true. And, and that's part of why I think my brain in my experiences of w- wanting those sorries or apologies in my life, I've had to just kind of say, I'm not going to get it here. So what does it mean for me if I don't get it? Do I just not get to be healed from this thing? Or do I not get to have like, I know reconciliation is another podcast, but that within myself, not just with a person, but do I not get to like have peace within this thing that was not right in me? That's actually forgiveness, not reconciliation. No. When you forgive and say, I'm, you no longer owe me something, mm. that's my forgiveness. So it's, you're freed. Yeah, which sounds like you've done. Yeah. And said, I don't condone it, which it doesn't mean that either, but I'm going to allow that string to be cut so that I no longer am tied to you in any way. Yes. I'm excited for this uh, forgiveness episode. It goes so hand in hand. <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk takeaways here. So I said mine, which my trading comfort for growth TC4G challenge is to not explain my way out of it and retain the responsibility. That's my big one. Mm -hmm. So don't use all those beautiful communication skills to talk the other party out of your role. Mm. Um, What about you, Taylor? Well, I was thinking about it like from the perspective of my job And in customer service, I find it so easy to say sorry. And I feel that that's what people miss most often in their customer service role is that that's what people want to hear most. They just want to feel heard. And you don't even have to take responsibility because a lot of the times I'm dealing with someone that's upset about something that I have no control over. It happened off the plane or somewhere else. But it's so easy for me in that circumstance than to say, I'm so sorry and be genuine and just be with them. So I find it really easy at work to do, but in personal relationships, definitely the taking responsibility because then it is directly on me. For me, I think what highlighted was that what matters to me is the relationship over, I guess, being right or wrong. So I am still very curious about gaslighting and (laughs) being turned crazy when you're not, but I want to take responsibility for what I can. And because I think relationship is more important, I guess. I like how you said that. 
I'm going to go with offering repair because that feels the scariest. Like I want to apologize when I've hurt somebody. I really genuinely do that, but I want to do that. It's the repair part that's the scariest to me. So what I want to try to do, my trading comfort moment is going to be instead of just, I am sorry, I did this. I want to create more dialogue. I don't want to talk about that person. I like Taylor, how you talked about that. A good apology is not about you. I don't want to just slap a sorry band-aid on something and hope that that just changes things. I want to try to offer reparations. Uh, In the book, they uh, talked about like an example. And I thought it was kind of interesting. You talked about, is it the Japanese that offer gifts? Brazil. Oh, in Brazil as restitution. They said, if you apologize 10 times for spilling coffee on the floor, but don't get up to like help them clean it Mm. or offer to pay for the cleaning bill, then it's not really like a good apology. You've not offered the restitution. I wonder, is that just a part of our culture? We don't tend to go to that next step of, I don't think I've ever received an I'm sorry gift, but um, more than just the words, but well, it could be a gift. It could be an act. Yeah, an act of, oh, I, I've done this gesture for you or or I'm not doing something for you as a way of restitution. I like it. I could start there, offering something or just getting up and moving myself. If I spill something, I spill a lot. That's a movement toward repair. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we have lots of work ahead of us. It's good work, though. Work worth doing. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.